0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you are an accredited or non-accredited investor. Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio by providing access to investing in venture capital funds. The Aventure app provides everything you need to make startup investments, including extensive research material, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures. For fund managers, Aventure seeks to help you streamline your operations and launch your fund. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are illiquid, which is a major pain point in our industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in the industry are so excited about this launch. Their first fund launch is coming early next year. So if you want to be the first in the know, join their waitlist at Aventure.vc. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E dot V C. Also check the link in the show notes. Aventure is a California-based fintech company and operates independently from investment advisors on its platform who may be registered as investment advisors in the US or qualify for exempt reporting status. Hey there, I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and this is the Consumer VC Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. If you're enjoying the show, also subscribe to my newsletter at theconsumervc.com, where you'll receive every new episode straight to your inbox and a weekly recap of all the consumer deals that are happening. All constant episodes are for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's about to launch that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you're accredited or non accredited, Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio and invest in private funds. If you're a fund manager, the Aventure app also provides everything you need in order to make startup investments, including extensive research materials, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures so you can properly diversify your portfolio. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are liquid, which is a major pain point for our industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in this industry are so excited about this launch, they are preparing to list their first fund in the beginning of next year. So if you wanna be the first to know, join their waitlist at aventure.vc. Our guest today is Dario Wallace, who is the founder and CEO of Tacombi and Vista Hermosa. Tacombi is a taqueria chain that is one of the fastest growing restaurants in the US and is bringing 100% authentic Mexican food and flavors to us in the States. Vista Hermosa is their CPG brand that produces tortilla chips and tortillas currently. We discuss why Dario got a VW combi van in the first place in Mexico, where he started selling tacos, why he thought New York City was the right city to start a restaurant in the US, how he approached retail expansion to different cities, and some of the lessons he learned from one of his investor, Danny Meyer. Without further ado, here's Dario. Dario, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know this has been on the back burner for so long and so so excited we could can, we, we can both finally make it happen. How are
1: you? Great, great to be here. Great to see you. Um, looking, looking forward to catching up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's start from the very beginning. So you purchased a Volkswagen Combi van. You decide to start selling. Why did you decide to start selling tacos in this way? So, uh, walk me through that experience.
1: The name Tacombi. When uh, I heard those two words together for the first time, you know, it was not. Uh, uh, it didn't mean anything in Spanish, right? Tacombi, combi meant something. Obviously tacos means a lot to a lot of people, but co- co- combi is, you know, it's a very common vehicle all over Mexico. And I, you know, rode one to school, you know, the, the taxis in Mexico City and, and, and everyone in, in Mexico and, and anywhere that a Volkswagen has been sold has pretty much been in one of these these VW buses, right? And so I think like when, when I heard those words together, because they both re- represented something so ubiquitous uh, and real in in Mexican culture, I, I thought that together they really represented this vision or perspective that I wanted to share on Mexico, and and so because you know, the tradition of reutilizing or or converting a pickup truck or a bicycle or a, a, any kind of, of, of vehicle into a taco selling enterprise is something you see all across Mexico. Doing it in a, in a combi, uh, you know, I, I'd seen it done many times before. They just were never called to combis, right? Um, there's all kinds of combis you know, where out of the back or out of the side or something, someone is, is selling tacos. And so I, I bought that uh, combi in Mexico City. And when I got to Playa El Carmen... Cut it open and reconfigured it so that I could sell, uh, ma- so that I could make tacos in it. Right by doing that, I f- knew at the time that I was kicking off this this adventure to build a brand that you know who, whose objective would be to connect people around the world to Mexico, and and we would do it through the taco, and and so it, you know that that's why I did it in this particular way, right? And and I did it in Playa del Carmen for a related reason. And, you one was I had to go back to Mexico. Uh, I, I decided that if I was going to do this, and, and this is thanks to advice from a good friend of mine, that starting this business in Mexico that was about Mexico, um, uh, Playa del Carmen represented almost something new in Mexico. It was a bit of a wild west town when I got there, where people from all over the country were coming. There was a gold rush of sorts, which was tourism and real estate in Playa del Carmen. And so there was people now visiting Playa from all over the world. It had this laid back vibe of a small town. It wasn't a big city. Uh, And people from all over Mexico and people from Latin America and Europe and Canada and the United States starting their boutique hotels, their uh, bed and breakfast, their restaurants, scuba diving businesses, and all, all the things that serve tourism um, were just popping up. And was so this incredible energy in the town. And so the, together, Playa plus the Tacombi is just the perfect uh, kickoff for me personally on this adventure.
0: Was there also a thought when it came to Playa del Carmen, since it is, I would imagine, transient that you know a really hot spot a tourism spot for you know particularly for you know americans and i guess you probably did have ambitions to building this in um in the u.s which will obviously get there but was there a thought that okay if it works at at playa del carmen then it can work in other places maybe maybe um outside of mexico
1: totally totally you know so when i um opened up in february of 2006 in the following months you know i i had chatted with customers from all over the united states right and and people telling me you should bring this to phoenix and you should bring this to los angeles and you should bring this to uh yeah you know, new york and, and and all these other places and and so i i was originally hoping that my next stop after Playa del Carmen would be London because that's where I had lived before. And, and, and I thought that would be my journey. Uh, uh, I'm grateful that I, I decided to go to New York first. There's a lot of things that have happened here in this city, but that exposure to Mexican tourism and American tourism in Playa um, was above all that first strategic decision saying, This is where the brand is going to get that exposure. And, and, and the customers are going to tell me whether, you know, we have what it takes to, to enter, to delight and, and, and surprise, you know, their friends and where, wherever they were from.
0: No, that, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'd imagine that's probably, you know, pretty good market research when you're actually seeing, okay, you know, Americans are really liking these tacos or liking the experience. And they're actually saying, I would love to, if you would, you know, come into, you know, our cities and obviously expand. I mean, that's great. That's like, that's like the best, you know, um, feedback that you could you know possibly imagine what was why was i guess your what's your approach to cooking tacos what were what did you feel like you were doing different than maybe other people uh, other maybe establishments in in platon Carmen, and also you know as you look further to like the u.s market what's kind of different in in your you know perspective around tacos maybe mexican food uh food more broadly as opposed to maybe what what, what other people, um, identify as Mexican food.
1: Yeah. So when I was in Playa del Carmen and learning to make food for the first time myself, uh, in in a business, right. I, um, I was observing all the different taquerias and puestos, uh, taco stands all around Playa del Carmen. And there were, uh, examples of regional cuisine from from Veracruz uh, what they call jarocho in in, uh, in Mexico um, and and the style of food from that region from Sonora uh, from Guadalajara from all these different places that um, all, all these different perspectives of Mexican cuisine were happening there so I was observing them at the same time I was trying to, understand how the, what the differences were between how the food was being made at the street taco puesto level in, in Mexico and then how businesses in the United States and other parts of the world had operationalized the process of making tacos. Right. And so, you know, where I think there's this difference where a a, a lot of, um, food concepts, uh, from the United States or, or or from Europe, they follow this pathway from the French culinary uh, you know approach into uh, making each of these types of food. Whereas the the way that food is made on the streets, it doesn't come from that background, right? It's it's, it's a different approach to to making food altogether, right? And so I was really paying a lot of attention in how, to how that was being done and how we were going to create processes that. Could replicate not just the the food um, and 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 bring to life those traditions wherever we were, um, but also the experience, right? And 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 that's where I started to learn about hospitality and Mexican hospitality as the subset and how it's applied through Mexico and how Mexican hospitality is intrinsic to the way that tacos are served anywhere in the country. And 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 at the same time, I was also looking at the quality of the ingredients and, and how we could source, uh, ingredients in, you know, that, that would, um, ensure or, 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 help even improve the, the quality of that taco experience. Right. And so I, a lot of what I was doing in the first years in Mexico was just learning. And, and it wasn't till uh, I brought the, the Tacombi to New York, uh, in, and opened in 2010 that I started to really apply those principles in, in this kind of mindset of continuous improvement that, that I had learned in one of my internships when I was, I think, 17 or 18. Uh, and, and and that this, this mindset in business, and, and I kind of started to take that approach on the street in Playa del Carmen throughout everything we do in Tacombi, particularly our approach to food and making tacos. And so it, it, it wasn't so much that we were different. Um, but our, our, our goal was to continually do it better. If that, if that makes sense?
0: It, it does make sense in terms of doing it better. What I know that, um, I, as you mentioned, uh, Mexican hospitality was really a big part of, you know, your brand and something that you very much observed during your time, um, in Mexico was the goal always, if it, if this operation in Plano Carmen worked really well, was, was the kind of Goal always to expand to the U S or I know originally to London, but somewhere else. Um, and secondly, what was what you did expand to the U S. What did you observe that maybe was different from Mexican hospitality versus American hospitality?
1: So that the goal was um, always to build a global brand. My, uh, my hope was that we could, uh, take this story and this perspective to uh, every corner of the world. I, in, in my life growing up and, and still through today, I, I, I love to travel and, and I get to other cities and uh, in any part of the world. And and because I'm a bit of an, uh, an obsessive with, with tacos now at this point, I think it's clear, um, you know, I, I think, well, where could we, you know, connect people to Mexico, like would these people appreciate enjoying this, this lifestyle, this, this way of eating and and whatnot. And so that was, that was always in the plan. Uh, My, my hope was that we could build a base in Mexico. And then from there, you know, continuously go back to Mexico. And, you know, in the fourth year in Mexico, when the swine flu hit and I just opened up the second location and it wasn't scaling as fast as I thought it would. And, and which I attribute mostly to, I wasn't able to attract talent to join the team, to, to help me build this business. People just still, um, uh, weren't interested in, in joining Tacombi to take it to the next level. And so, and, and and I myself as a leader and, and, and as a, as a business owner was just struggling to, to conquer those own personal things that you go through as, as you make space to do more, right? Um, but in the end, um, you know, that the push of, of the swine flu pandemic and gave me an opportunity where I, I looked at what I achieved in the first couple of years and said, okay, well, I, I think it's more important now to take this next step and get the, the business outside of Mexico. And, and And that's when I ended up deciding to take it to New York.
0: I know you were initially thinking about London and then instead you went to New York. Why New York specifically? And if, you know, Mexican hospitality is a big part of your brand and something that you want to spread to the, uh, the rest of the world, which um, I, I love that. What, what has been your experience opening up a restaurant in New York and maybe some of the differences that you've seen when it comes to American hospitality versus, you know, uh, to Mexican hospitality?
1: New York, uh, when I was at that point in the evolution of the business, London first started was, was quite far away from Mexico, right? It was a 12-hour flight, and, and I was still operating the original location. I had two locations at that time in Playa, right? So I, I still wanted to keep that original location open. And, and so I turned my focus to the United States, and I looked around Miami, Austin, Los Angeles, and, and New York. And having never lived in New York myself, I, I also saw that, you know, there, there was the density in this one market where we could open more than uh, one Tacombi and, and eventually build some scale, right? And and, and, and similar opportunities of uh, global exposure, uh, a talent pool, all, all those things, you know, I, I decided on New York. And the first couple years in Mexico where I was really observing and learning and, and seeing how, you know, what... What hospitality is in some sense, it is a, uh, a parallel or a metaphor into how each culture takes care of its people or takes care of its guests, right? And so the, the innate feeling when you are in the United States, in different parts of the United States, as it's a you know, big and diverse country uh, and, and you know, different countries, you know, Italian, Italy, Italian hospitality how they welcome you into their country and into their lifestyle that starts to be where hospitality and how it is innate to a country's customs and traditions starts to uh, create this this connection that i feel is is unique in mexico and the way that people take care of you right and it's it's very much in the small details of the nuances where you know you know very well if you're at a a diner in you know Memphis, or a diner in New York City, or a taqueria in Mexico City, right? And, and obviously, the language is going to be a big component of that, just in how people are they're speaking to you in their native tongue. Um, but the the characteristics that define a country and a people's way of living come through in all the small details of, of their hospitality. And so, you know, that to me is you know. Um, where where I first start to to see the the differences between Mexican hospitality and American hospitality is in in the culture itself that is delivering that right and then so and then as we start to break it down the, there is an old school approach to hospitality um, that you see in Mexico which is this professional service very much a career right that that people get into. And and it's it's prompt, you know, it's very professional. Um, you know, th- there's a hustle with that promptness, and and you know, and, and it's polished. You know, there's great pride taken in, in how it's executed, right? Um, you know, and in, in, in contrast, in the United States, you know, there, there's many different levels, but I, th- I think one of the things is there's is a um, a a uh, colloquial kind of like familiarity that you get in the United States, which is beautiful in how Americans engage with their customers as, as well. It, it's, um, but, but it is a different feeling when you go into each of these countries and experience hospitality in the small towns around both countries, right? Um, and so I think, you know, as we built Tacombi, we really put a lot of thought about that into our uh, people and training systems right? And and we tried to codify it in many different ways. Um, That it's in both countries and in all countries around the world, good service is good service. And you feel it and you feel warm. Afterward, you feel taken care of. I think, you know, how we connect Mexican hospitality to Mexican food is now really part of everything in the Tacombe experience.
0: Yeah. And also, I'd imagine just kind of bringing them, wanting them to feel that you're maybe somewhere else, you know, like you're not in New York, you're, you know, in a different, maybe part of the world. Um, and so bringing that, I guess, um, experience, you know, to them, but um, but also kind of having a kind of a different experience when you're actually in a jacombi. Um, so um, that's cool. How, at which point did you think, because I'd imagine that this is, you know, obviously restaurants pretty capital intensive business how did you think about fundraising raising money for um was it for to open that shop in um that location in new york or like what was your also approach to um to fundraising
1: i tried to bring in capital or investors that could either um mentor me or teach me uh how to, how to do something better, right? And so, in, in, in the different challenges that uh, I face as I've grown the company, um, finding investors that could, um, you know, help me overcome uh, the next set of obstacles was, was how I, you know, guided that process for the um, for, for the for the first number of years, right? So what was typically, you know, the, what you call the friends and family rounds of, of building your, your business, right? Um, it was friends and friends of friends that I had met throughout my career. And and each time, you know, it, it, it was a thought partnership relationship, right? Where, you know, I was uh, accountable to that person uh, beyond... The contract that was always something that was important to me um, and continues to be, um, and and then you know how could we make this something enjoyable, agreeable, fun for both parties? And I think it was another way that I've, I've led a lot of our business decisions. Right? I, I think like so so much of our life is uh, goes into our work and is consumed by our business, and so I, I've always tried to to do business with people that I like, right? Because you're spending so much time with them. It's kind of like getting, eating your cake and getting your cake and eating your cake, right? What's the expression? Something to that extent. That one, with, with you know, investors, like I, I've tried to say, okay, look, we're, our goal is to get you a, a great return. Uh, but, you know, this process, you know, I don't have all the answers. And, you know, I, I would really appreciate your partnership in that process. And, and as you grow, sometimes you outgrow some of those relationships or your needs change. And, and so you need uh, uh, someone to help you on the next set of challenges or, or to partner with you better set on the next set of challenges. And and so that, that's that been largely my, my approach is, um, you know, set, setting up a structure at the holding company level so that, you know, people are investing in the vision of the concept. And allowed us to stay focused all these years also on building the brand. And that was another very important part of it is that it was always um, about building the brand. And so I, I made many decisions over these past 16 years where I, I would argue that I'd put the brand ahead of myself, right. And, and, and tried to do best by um, the different stakeholders that I was acquiring as we built the company. Right. And, and since we're talking about investors, you know, that, that particular set of stakeholders, um, you know, taking these ideas about the brand and what it could become and finding that long-term alignment has, has always been critical.
0: Obviously, I know we, we've we only talked about uh, Tacombi, but you also have a CPG business and a CPG, uh, CPG line with v- Vista Hermosa. And you have, so you have, you know, your, your retail imprint uh, footprint and also you have, you know, your CPG line. When you're actually talking to investors, because, um, you know, these are two pretty different businesses, even though they are related. Was it tough convincing them about how you need to invest in, you know, both or like both actually deserved investment and not focus on one or the other?
1: I, absolutely. I, you know, I think when, when there's not an analog for your business, you know, I, and people are looking for, well, where's the similar uh, playbook that we can look to, to see its success, that there's definitely going to be um, skeptics, right? And so I, I think, you know, th- there's a couple things working in our favor, you know, on the, Mexican food side in general in the United States, both of these, whether it's food consumed at home d- through delivery or or in restaurants, there is significant consumption across the United States, and a lot of that is through legacy brands, right, that that have been around since the seventies in many cases, um, and and you know have been these first brands to to prime. Uh, the American market and create these consumer habits that are now popular around the country, right? And so I, I think as we approached uh, this perspective of Mexico, it made sense to us that in order to deliver a superior intaquería experience, the hospitality uh, could go so far, but it really had to be supported by quality ingredients, right? And and then when we looked at the Mexican food vertical. In order to deliver that food, um, you know, we saw that our supply chain over time uh, would require more and more of those quality ingredients. And so, you know, in the brand architecture that we laid out, um, it made very, it it was clear to us that we could tell uh, a beautiful story about Mexico if we took the time to go into detail on the different the different touch points, and so what happened was that in this way that we laid out a vision for building a brand that was not just around this one central brand of Tacombi, but this house of Mexican brands, uh, the world kind of evolved around us, right? Uh, and 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 then in the last couple of years, the onset of of the pandemic and the shift in consumer habits and how people wanted to get all these different experiences into their homes, right. That chefs were making across the country. Tacombi had been doing this since we started in, in the very early days. Right. And so as we've gone out to investors, what we found is that there is an emerging thesis that has been played a couple times before, right. Cause in history, in our industry, you know, one point, um, you know, uh, general mills owned Darden, you know, uh, the Olive Garden and Red Lobster and, and these other brands. And, and there's been a couple of these types of roles, PepsiCo and Yum brands, right? Th- these, there have been these alignments over time. I think there are um, it, not as many you know stories that have emerged on a particular style of food or, or an ethnic cuisine that can take all these pieces together. But at the same time, there hasn't been on the other end of this a strong and well-defined consumer habit for all the different use cases around Mexican food. So as we've been going out there to raise capital, this thesis that's that's emerged in the last couple of years has supported this original vision of the brand. So in that sense, you know, when they say like, what's your luck sometimes, that's a little bit our luck in terms of the timing where both of these are coming together.
0: Now, that makes a lot of sense. And I imagine the pandemic was... I mean, I couldn't imagine how difficult it was for you, but at the same time, it was also maybe validation that why having these two types of businesses works as well, right? You can meet the consumer at the home and deliver them great products, and then also as well, you know, del- um, obviously have you know incredible um, tacos and and um, and you know on prem or you know retail um, re- retail stores um, w- w- where they can eat at too. So. it it also mitigates your risk and and it seemed like you were pretty well positioned because you were doing this, you know, for, for years, even before any of us, you know, thought that there was going to be any type of what, um, what actually went down in, in 2020. I, I also have another question just, just, just on this topic of investors, how did you meet Danny Meyer? And I know he became a significant investor in, in your company. What it's, what has it been like Partnering with him just because he's such a you know hospitality legend. Um, what has been some of the things that you've that you've been able to learn from him?
1: He uh, leads you know um, with integrity and and you know in the restaurant business uh, to meet you know someone who is a, a restaurateur right and 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 who embodies hospitality um, and has been able to scale it through an approach. Of, of empowering and building a team around him I think you know is is um, is, is a clear you know example of, of, of how he's been successful and what I've found in, in getting to know him and, and his team because I, I spend the majority of the time with his team right he he uh, created these you know iconic brands in New York City and and now you know uh, his uh, consulting company on hospitality and and Shake Shack, you know, so he's built these brands that have touched so many people around the world. Um, in order to do that, he he's uh, been able to empower many strong leaders across these different companies, right? And and so I think you know the the opportunity uh, to work with him. And, and, and to work with all his people has really given me insight into the many different functions and responsibilities that are necessary when you are scaling a company, right? Um, and, and even in addition to that, what, what he's been able to assemble in, in the investment vehicle, right? So, so D- Danny is the, the spokesperson and figurehead, right, for his company, for EHI, right, which is who invested into Combi, this Enlightened Hospitality Investments. And and what's really been exciting about it is that the LPs in this company, um, that by default are our investors in Takombe, uh, are a lot of the relationships that he's built up over time, right? So so our, our investors through EHI come from you know uh, real estate. They are the international licensees of Shake Shack uh, and so on, and and it's this larger group. Uh, over the past couple of years, that have been so incredibly helpful to us, because they they follow his model of hospitality, and, and they are you know doing good business with good people and taking care of each other, and so you know we're we're grateful to be in that network. But but what you see there, um, I, th- I think in in Danny is, is someone who is you know incredibly humble. Uh, he is a great thought partner. He bounces. Uh, he helps you develop your ideas through his, his uh, approach to, to getting you to answer your questions. Um, and, uh, and so when, when I met him on the street and, and you know, he, he was, you know, I knew of his success, but not now that I, I, I've gotten to know him and work with him and, you know, I, I've, I'm, I'm just so impressed with the, the greater team uh, and, and these other companies that they've invested in that I get to work with, right? And, and in the end, like you're building your own business is you know very much like you're, you're playing your own game, right? It's it's people talk about competition and all these things, but you're dealing with so many variables that are unique to your brand, right? To, to learn from other people how they're solving similar problems, but not exactly the same problem. It, it just helps to have that, that very broad view, right? And and that's what Danny's uh, team has been able to help us with at, at Tacombi.
0: No, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, mean, I can't, I I can't imagine what it's like um, being able to you know surround yourself with just the best you know the, the best of the best people that have done um so such incredible things um you know have produced launched um incredible le- or, or restaurants around the globe. That's just um incredible. So. When when you first set up shop, when you first set up your 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 location in New York, what was the initial response reaction to it, and how did you also then think about what does growth kind of look like for the U.S.?
1: I I started out with this business plan that it called out this important fact that there are more than fifty thousand Mexican restaurants around the United States, so I I had. An idea of what growth could be like, just given the size of the market in the United States, right? I, I also had the fact that, you know, there were, um, you know, 50 billion plus dollars of Mexican food consumed at home. So I, I had these kind of guiding points in terms of just the size of, of the market. When when you start with location number one, you have to make location number one successful. Right. And then you have to worry about the challenges of making location number two successful. And is it the same things that I dealt with here that are going to make the second location work? And, and you go through that process and you have your eye on the future, but, you know, you, you have to remain in the present for all intents and purposes. Uh, and, and, and in hospitality, you're dealing with customers uh, and guests on a daily basis. And so it it really grounds you in you know that that practice of hospitality, right? Um, and 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 then I think through that you start to develop a framework uh, in in taking care of people that you can apply to taking care of your team. And 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 I think that's where in our business we started to make the connections where we would apply hospitality internally and externally um, and I'm not saying it was perfect because you know it's, it's it's a it's a process you're kind of going up and down as you're as you're learning this um, but I think with with that eye on on what the potential could be the this ambition that it could be a global brand that the story hadn't yet been told from Mexico and then, and then doing it really like one taco at a time uh, and, and and one taqueria at a time, uh, just forced us to look for those continuous improvements with each step we took. And the nice thing about our business and retail in general is that each time you open a new location, it's an opportunity to, to, to do it better, right? Because you get into your habits in the first location and then in the second location and the third one and so on. Um, and, and and today we're at 15. We have these behaviors, right? That are representative of how we operate at this company. But each time you have this kind of opportunity to tell the story better. And then you take with those learnings and you apply it back to the rest of what you've done. That's one of the nice things about, I think, building a brick and mortar brand in that sense.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. As you, as you kind of think, I know that, that the original concept behind, uh, was, you know, bringing real, you know, authentic Mexican cuisine, um, particularly tacos, focusing on tacos to the U S I was wondering when you think about you know maybe competitors or you know um and their products what type of i guess flavors have you been how do you have that 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 you maybe don't see um other other type uh, other types of um uh either taquerias or even um you know quick stop restaurants um have that 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 you are seeing that that you have and, and, and why you maybe have a superior product in terms of more authentic product um, versus maybe the the rest that's that's out there on maybe a more kind of um, a um, a chain like um, environment where it's not just like a single you know maybe like mom and pop shop but you actually you know have the ability to like, kind of expand nationally. If that makes sense.
1: So the, the, there are a lot of great examples of Mexican food in the United States and and now around the world right that there, there's definitely mexican food has had its moment over the last couple decades where where people have just um really got gotten excited about uh the flavors and 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 the diversity of the country and you know a couple years ago you know i remember noma going into tulum and and making tacos in in mexico right this you know the, one of the world's uh, Best restaurants going going there, and so I think like there there has been this excitement and exploration uh, of everything that is Mexico, and I think the story that's starting to come out is 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 the story that that Tacombi uh, has been focused on telling, which is you know the 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 beauty and the value of these traditions and and the incredible diversity and variety of them that exist. All across the varied states of Mexico, from the Yucatan to Oaxaca to Tabasco to Veracruz to Sonora to Monterrey, where I grew up, to you know all, all these different parts of the country, there is the commonality of, of the tortilla and and, um, and and an approach to making salsas. But then you just have all these different uh, stories to tell, and, and Tacombia is really about telling those stories creating appreciation and driving value for Mexico. Right. And so, you know, the, the authenticity, I think, you know, ultimately I think we, we are, we can all be authentic in our approach to what our story that we want to tell at at Tacombi. um, It is this, it's a perspective on Mexico that where we've taken on this this responsibility to study these ideas, bring them to and share them with a, a large and growing audience, uh, so that with the goal that they want to go in and taste it for themselves in Mexico, right? And and that's, you know, not exactly answering your question, but we're not exactly doing what your question was. Like, we really are trying to build this connection to Mexico to get people to go and and Want to be there and experience it themselves, and we try to bring as much as we can, knowing that we're not in Mexico, um, and and we, and we try to to respect all the traditions and cultural um, you know markers that are important to Mexicans, and, and and obviously everyone's got a different opinion on that, so we're we're just doing our best job, um, but but ultimately it does come down to that everyday love that's passed in Mexico through hospitality and, and how people take care of each other in Mexico just makes the food experience, the Mexican food experience that much better, right? And so we, we try to do better ingredients and we constantly are, are, are working to, to source better. Um, we're, we're working to improve the process or the, to, to replicate um, the, the awesomeness of the simplicity of some of the best tacos we've had across Mexico. And as we grow, we're trying to bring more of that variety through specials and through visiting chefs and, and guest chefs to come and share a very specific nuance of an area of Mexico that they've discovered. Which in the end, it's this 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 thing that we this, we live by in Tacoma, that we're just borrowing these. They don't belong to us. These traditions. So that's you know our our approach to Mexican food. Um, and and I I think like that is what you know, we we've been working with these years, and and you know, are just really really happy about you know the the effects that it's been having on, on our team members and our customers because it, it really is a positive message that we started with here.
0: Totally, I mean, well, my my takeaway from this too is I think also exposing um, people, customers to the wide diversity of flavors within Mexico, right, and maybe not lump. Mexican food just into one kind of category, how, you know, in different parts you actually experience quite different, even though, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, one form form factor, which, you know, maybe is a taco, but you might, you might experience quite different flavor profiles where, um, where out you go in the Mexico. So you actually might experience kind of different, um, uh, you might just, you know, um, learn a, a couple of things about Mexico that you, that you didn't maybe know previously through food, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: What's one book that's inspired you personally and one book that's inspired you professionally?
1: One book that's inspired me professionally. This might be an odd one, but uh, there is, there's a, a biography of Ben Franklin called, I think it's called An American Life. You know, there are many stories in that book of his work ethic and, and his approach to building uh, uh, teams and consensus, uh, the Socratic method. They, 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 there are all these things about uh, his approach to business. You know, I, kind of one of the, the early, earlier examples of a media enterprise in the United States and someone that did many different businesses and, and things. And I, and, I, and I think from a professional point of view, um, there's, a um, something, um, that, that I, 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 really love about his story and, and, and that book and what it's taught me from a professional point of view. Have you, have you heard of that book before?
0: You know, I, I, I've heard of it. I haven't read it though. And I think that you're the first person on this, on this podcast that has brought it up. So really excited to add it to our book list. You're very original Dario. Um, because no one else has brought it up, so that's great. It's really great.
1: and 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 a personal book, um, there's this this, me- this Mexican book uh, by uh, called a uh, called Pedro Paramo by uh, Juan Rulfo. And that book and and El Llano andyama. and 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 two books from a similar time and 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 they're about this period in mexican here in Mexican history around the time of the mexican revolution um which was a really important part of the mexico that we know today and and i've always been a fan of history and so this story and 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 it's they're fictional um but they they give you context uh of the mindset of the countryside of of people that you know as, as the revolution is going on around them and and I, I love Mexico and I, I love its people. Uh, I, l- I love the human experiment that we all get to enjoy that is Mexico, right? Like any of these countries around the world and, and how they've evolved over time and and, and, and I think those stories, um, they inspired me when I read them uh, in, in high school and and uh, um, I think part of what has also kept me uh, on this journey of building this brand. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's also a book that actually hasn't been brought up before. So really excited as well to add that to the uh, to the list. Um, Dario, this has been so much fun. Really, really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much
1: for your time. Thanks, Mike. Great to connect with you again and, and hope we can catch up soon.
0: And there you have it. It was a pleasure chatting with Dario. If you're enjoying the show, highly recommend signing up for the newsletter at vincasuravisi.com. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening.